Hi guys and welcome back to another episode of the Strategy Podcast. I am excited because I have with me today a guy who's had three CEO stints, created more than a billion dollars in shareholder value, has mentored hundreds of people so far and it's just the breadth of knowledge and insights that he's going to bring with bring on the table today is going to be an eye opener for a lot of people. So with that I would like to welcome Venkat Raman Sheshashai, or better known as Shesh, uh, on the show today. Hi, Shesh, and welcome on the welcome to the Strategy Podcast. Hi, Rohit. Good morning, and thank you very much. My pleasure and privilege to be here. Thank you so much. So, you know, just before the call, we were talking about the idea of uh, having a purpose, a clearly defined principle that kind of guides you through the various decisions in your life. So. both from a business perspective but before even jumping into business from a life perspective can you share your own experiences of kind of setting those setting the right purpose and how do you figure out what that might be for you okay so um just like most others i was completely purposeless till i was 33 um and so i i just share this anecdote with you and then i'll share the principle behind that with you mm mm-hmm. so i was 33 and a half i had just joined uh, after uh, i was a marine engineer so i was sailing on at sea for a long time and then i joined a uh, sort of multinational company in india i completed about 6 months and uh, my boss took me out for a drink and he asked me during that he said what is it that you want in life and like everybody else and you know and, uh, sort of i gave some generic answers you know I said, uh, I would like to reach the top of my profession. I would like to create value, and so on. He's a smart, an extremely empathetic guy, and he said, "Sish, kindly shut up. Either you know the answer, <laughs> either you know the answer, or you don't." <laughs> and I thought about it, and one drink later, I said, "I don't." And he said, yes. "You're 33 years old." you are smart and capable but if you don't even know what you want how is the world going to give it to you that's so true yeah and that shook me and there was a thursday night so i said guys i you know i'm taking leave for the next 2 3 days so i actually took leave on friday and then on monday and tuesday and i spent about 5 or 6 days i closeted myself largely in my sort of little den and i used 500 sheets of paper to sort of drill down inside who i was and try and understand you know the core of me and at some time in the fourth day there was a eureka moment and i realized what it is that i was and what is it that i wanted and that therein emerged my purpose And so the, I went back to the office and then asked uh, my boss for another, you know, for a drink to a drink for a week later. And uh, I just I had not worked only on my purpose. I also worked on my vision, and to some extent a little bit of strategy. And uh, I asked him to come over for a drink, sat down, and I said, I want to be a CEO by the time I'm 45. He said, Fantastic. Now let's make that happen. so that was the turning point for me before that it was not that i was unhappy 
It was not that I was not doing very well or anything like that. It was just that there was always something missing. There was always some little misalignment, you know, as if I had to go, you know, sort of true north, but I was going two degrees away. Hmm. And something was not right. And every job, everything I did, that something was not right feeling was there. But after this exercise, after this um, Eureka moment, I've never felt that. I've always known every day of my life, I know where I'm going, what I want, how do I want to get there, what I will do, what I will not do, what crap I will take, what I will not, what... Hmm. Uh, beliefs I hold and what beliefs I don't. So I'm completely, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm probably extend, you know, exaggerating, but I'm reasonably self-aware and I'm reasonably mm. situationally aware. And so that gives me freedom. It gives me confidence. It gives me self-belief. And it really also gives me the feeling that I don't need anything from anybody else. I'm self-sufficient. Yes. So, so, so sorry for a long answer to a short question, Rohit. No, and I want to just dig deeper into uh, this idea with a follow-up, which is now it all comes down to being passionately and clearly br- and brutally honest with yourself yeah. on where you are standing in your life. Yes. What is it? You know, what are the belief systems that you tend to latch on to because they give you a sense of safety? And what are the things that you're willing to explore given the limitations that you set for yourself? And and this all mostly buggers me because uh, it confuses me. And the reason why it confuses me is um, your worldview, right? As Seth Godin puts it in, his, uh, in many of his books, kind of uh, dictates things that will define your purpose. So I just want to ask you... Um, how do you how did you become aware of your world i think that's a big challenge for a lot of people even before they figure out how do i build my purpose right what is it what are the things that i'm comfortable in things that i'm not comfortable with in and how do i know if i keep doing the things that i'm always comfortable to do how do i push myself okay okay i'm going to start with a little bit of um, allegory hmm when we are born, and for the from the time we are born till, till the time we probably finish college and start moving towards financial independence, we are on a journey. But we are not on our own journey. We are on the journey as passengers with our parents. So imagine yourself in a, with, and your siblings in a car with your parents sitting in the front two seats and you guys in the back. The journey is dictated by your parents. It is managed by your parents. You are a passenger. You are, whatever you do needs their permission or their approval or is and is a lot influenced by them. Yes. Where you stop, where you go, what you, how you behave, what you think, in which direction you're going. Everything is largely influenced by your parents. I'm saying parents, it's parents and, you know, uncles and aunts and society as a whole, but primarily your parents. Then what happens is at the age of 20 or 21 or 22, you complete your college, you get your first job. And essentially the equivalent is you, the car stops, you get off, 
shut the door, wave goodbye to your parents and you set out on your own independent journey. You're with me so far? Yes. Now the problem is at that point in time, you have no clue what your journey is. You mm -hmm. don't know where you want to go. Nobody has asked you to ask the question. Who I am, who am I, who am I, where do I, what do I want, where do I want to go, what gives me happiness, what gives me satisfaction. Yes. So because you're lost, you take the default option. What is the default option? I will to do what your parents did. <laughs> yeah, I will do what my parents did and I will do what my parents said. So what do you do? Your parents have said, work hard, you go join a job, you work hard. They said, get married, you'll get married. They said, buy a house, you buy a house. They said, you know, have a child, you have a child. And you go on that path for, say, seven, eight, ten years. And sometime in your early 30s, you wake up one morning and you say that, now what? I've completed, I've ticked off every box. Now what? And that is when you realize that you have not been living your own life. You've been, as, as you said before we started this podcast, you know, many people lead lives living up to expectations of the, your, Other parents, people. your parents, society, you know, the community you live in and so on. And in doing that, uh, fail to find joy, fail to find happiness, satisfaction, success. Also believe it kills your creativity. Completely. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, knowing, understanding this, uh, you know, sort of this analogy and, uh, you know, taking, taking, taking it from there. Basically, what I did was when I was 33, I essentially said, I stopped on the side of the road, sat down and said, I'm not moving. Till I know which direction I want to go in, till I know why I want to go in that direction, till I know what I hope to achieve by going in that direction. I just refused yes. to move. I said I am not going to move. And that, you know, that little bit of courage we need to, you know, we need to extract from within ourselves to be able to uh, take that decision. That I, because what happens is all of us. We, we love default. We love default. Human beings love the default option. Yes. Right? It's easy. It's been it's done. Easy. It's been taught. It's, it's been brain fed and totally subsumed inside our bodies and, our, yeah. and in our minds. You know, and it is reasonably risk free, right? Because if you do what your parents have said and something goes wrong, it's not your fault. It's your parents' fault. But if you do what you have decided is right for you and you fail, then that entire onus sits on your shoulders and that can be quite crushing. And that is why many, many people don't want to do that. Yes. So for me, it was the most freeing four days of my life. It let me free. And actually speaking, oh, what I found cool. during those four days was nothing new. It was something I had just known all along. It was just subliminal. All I did was lift it out and show it to the light. Hmm. Right. And what, for example, you know, I, I have, I'm obsessive compulsive. I have a, I'm you know slight obsessive compulsive disorder, not as bad as rain man, but a little bit. <laughs> right. Hmm. 
now i could mm. one of the things i realized is that till i was around in you know till this time when i did my purpose search i always thought of it as a problem as a weakness mm. once i did my you know did this exercise i said why is it a weakness i like creating order out of chaos mm. and that is a strength mm. and since then that is what yes. my journey has been i have gone into company to company and created order out of chaos i have transformed companies i have transformed people i have transformed teams mm. you know so this is another thing you know so often we carry the burden of misconceptions and having a proper purpose discovery exercise removes those misconceptions removes the illusions and allows you to see yourself for who you really are and all your strengths and weakness weaknesses in their bare nakedness and then to choose what you think will suit you best and run with them uh, does that answer your question roy it does and uh, it takes me to another follow up where uh, i would ask you you know i've had certain stints working for some really large companies and uh, while i was there and i used to see my seniors and the way they would operate i would see and i could actually sense a lot of them uh, really not being extremely satisfied with what they were doing yet they did not have the courage to and they were smart intelligent people there was no doubt about that about their capabilities but they lacked this one thing which you know i which an entrepreneur usually has which is kind of dealing with this fear in your head and still jumping into the abyss right trying the unknown Yes. experiencing kind of letting the fear go or kind of living with it whatever yeah. whichever way we look at it so you know when you talk about kind of defining that purpose and uh, then believing in yourself maybe that also comes in the way what it, advice would you have for people who are who are still feeling stuck at their jobs and uh, you know maybe because of responsibilities because they will always be there so despite the bottlenecks that surround us the the you know the things that kind of uh, keep us from moving how do we still push forward okay this is a great question rohit because this is actually this is this talks to the root of the issue a lot of people think that once you find your purpose you can take amazing risks and do different things and stuff like that actually no okay having a purpose does not make you very different from your fellow men mm. you still have your responsibilities you have your you know family to look after you have your um, uh, monthly salary to come in or uh, you know the um, uh, sort of uh, startup to succeed uh, you still have all that it's not about that changing the external world doesn't change what changes is you mm. you look at them differently you deal with them differently you manage them differently yeah, right. so true. it's not the external world that has changed at all so let us say there is another person you know the same age as me and he does not have a purpose and i do it's not as if we have different objectives or different uh, desires or different responsibilities liabilities or challenges mm. we have the same it's how we deal with them it's how we approach them so for example if um, you know let's take a situation in in the workplace where um, there is a issue and um, 
somebody has to speak up. Now, the person without a purpose, mm. because of his inherent insecurities and fears and not knowing who he is and not knowing enough about himself, not being self-aware enough, mm. may take the path of uh, discretion. Yes. For me, I have never wanted to take the path of discretion. Why? Because mm. I know exactly who I am. So if the problem is there is an issue and it troubles me, I will speak about it. I will speak about it. And the fact is that everybody around me knows that I will speak about it. Mm. Because they know that this guy has absolutely no qualms about saying anything good, bad or ugly. Mm. So people listen. Right. And then they act. And then it looks like I get my way more than mm. somebody else. But actually, I have not. I'm just, I'm willing to tackle or deal with or countenance anything in the way it should, in an honest, open, transparent manner, because I can't do anything else. And so when you do that and you leave your fears and insecurities aside, you find that people respond to that. Situations and people respond to confidence and self-belief and uh, a sense of self-worth. Do you remember Kabir Doha? There was a Kabir Doha which basically said that the same wind which blows out that little lamp will encourage the large fire. Yes. You know, the, it's, the, it's just that. When you are, when you have a sense of purpose, you become in some ways internally very strong. And people sense that in you. And when people mm. sense you're strong, they tend to support you. When they sense you're weak, they tend to behave differently. So, how would you, how did you develop this self-awareness within you. Oh, that is it. I told you, it was in five days. <laughs> it was in five days. And it was really about going inside me, as you rightly said, a, a journey of introspection. And I wrote down, you know, stuff, classic stuff, Rohit. I wrote down, you know, reams and reams of paper. You know, what are the things I like? What are the things I don't? What are the things I absolutely detest? What I think are my strengths? What I think are my weaknesses? And, you know, I had to cancel out things, you know, stuff, all my illusions, I had to lay them bare. Yes. You know? And that's so, that's so difficult because uh, you're, even though it's just you and you, to uh, see you in your full, full form, you know, kind of going yes. naked for in front of yourself, which goes beyond your body is, I think, just kind of laying, laying bare your mind. Yes, it's, it's a huge, huge, difficult process for a lot of people. Yes, it is uh, difficult. So, but as I said, you know, as long as you know what's at the other end, you know, it is the difficulty sort of actually completely fades away into nothing. Yeah. The joy that you get after this exercise, it's, it's like winning the lottery. <laughs> okay. It's like winning the lottery. I, you know, my wife, my, I've been married almost 35 years. 
she asks me regularly she says what makes you so confident all the time and i said it's not it's not confidence as much as i know who i am so i don't have to mm. play games i don't have to put on any facades i do not have to live up to any expectations or illusions no pretense just being there yeah. being aware and yeah. doing what is the best step to be taken at that moment in time absolutely depending on the situation absolutely. right and will i make so, do i make mistakes of course i make mistakes maybe i just having a purpose does not make me i, <laughs> I just want, i wanted to jump into that as the next question that tell me about uh, about the mistakes that you have made and being in this self aware state does it did it change the way you would react to those mistakes versus before this aha moment happened for you no see i i i make i have made mistakes right as a ceo i have taken wrong decisions i have uh, you know sort of uh, you know i i made mistakes and i don't think a sense of purpose or vision makes you suddenly uh, amazingly intellectual or perfect or or, or yeah. you know able to divine the future no again there it's what it did with the mistake if i made a mistake i knew that i had to accept it accept it publicly and then find a way to deal with it and solve it and con- try and convert it into something advantageous for the company and for myself right so i did not blame people i did not bemoan i did not sit you know and say god why me i fixed it hmm. so again there rohit the issue was the external world did not change it's how one approached that world that changed yes right so in this in a very similar situation somebody else could have approached the mistake in a very different manner mm. and they do and i've seen it happen right mm. Mm. for me it was yes it's a mistake it's my mistake i'm happy to put my hand up and say it's my mistake and now i want everyone's help to help me find a way to solve this yeah but i guess it's the it's the so self judgment and also the judgmental sorry. society sorry. that we have around us i'm saying uh, maybe that's because why people don't oh, i'm saying a lot of people when they don't own up to a mistake that they did is probably because they're afraid right it's it's probably because uh, there is so much judgment attached to our own actions by us and you know we kind of uh, magnify uh, what the other person or uh, you know my colleagues or the society might be thinking about me even though they might not which is probably true everybody is busy in their own lives yet we kind of magnify the impact so why does our mind magnify that impact and how do we observe so if i'm sitting here if i'm self in a self aware state observing that my mind is kind of uh making making me feel down and out right that i did something wrong um and it is consistently telling me hey don't own up because it might put you in a bad light further it might destroy you how do i f- how do i handle or uh, uh, you know beat the demons in my head when it comes to something like this okay first is that these demons are not in your head these demons are an outcome of conditioning you know by your uh, external environment we are conditioned to uh, seek success mm. we are conditioned to uh, condemn failure 
we are conditioned to believe that if we fail, society will look down on us. Right? It is these conditionings which cause these fears. Now, what happens again when you have, when you know your purpose, and I'm going to give you, I'm going to reveal a secret to you, mm. and it's not something you'd like to hear. But Rohit, I don't give a crap about what people think of me. That is the beauty of having a purpose. The, yeah. I know what I know who I am. I know my flaws. I know my weaknesses. I know my strengths. I know everything, what's and all. So why should I bother about what you think of me? I am already okay. my greatest. I am already my I greatest want to talk critic. A little bit about it. Uh... I am already my greatest critic. I am already my greatest cheerleader. I don't need anybody else to do that. Yeah. So if you have feedback, yes. if you have feedback for me, I'm happily willing to listen to the feedback and rationally accept or reject it, act or not act on it. But it will not impact me emotionally. It will not mm -hmm. impact uh, me in any way that will cause my self-belief or my self-esteem to reduce a single wit. Hmm. That is what I request all your listeners to understand. The only person whose opinions matter to you should be yours. Not your uncles, not your bosses, not your colleagues, not your neighbors, not your neighbor's dog. If you can live up then to your own opinion, if you can live yes. up to your own opinions and expectations, yeah. That is what life really is about. Sorry, sorry, so you think. No, no, no. I was just trying to kind of extend that thought and say, uh, you have to be an active listener, uh, but then you have to make sure that you're filtering it by the uh, base of your own mind, right? With your own intellectual awareness uh, about your worldview. I think who you are kind of matters a lot and you should filter out information as it is coming into you. So you accept the ones that help you move forward towards that purpose, I guess, and kind of filter out the rest, which has no impact, especially yeah. things that kind of put you down or emotionally uh, deter you from being your being at your best, best foot forward all the time. Absolutely. I think uh, here again, there's a beautiful Doha. And these are all things I learned when I was 11 and 12. But they come back with such, you know, impact. You know, he said that, um, you know, you have to be like a like a sieve. You know, the uh, when you're mm. when they are uh, separating the rice from the husk, you have human beings must be like that and must always ensure that you are capable of uh, distinguishing between what is husk and what is rice, and you know, collect the rice and not unnecessarily burden yourself with the husk. Yes, that's so beautiful. And yeah, this is all this is I now want to kind of this has nothing to do with me. <laughs> yeah. No, no, you at least you have to I, I mean, in a world where people are going to be engaging themselves in uh, tons and tons of uh, TikTok videos to uh, take a step back and really appreciate 
things in life that some people have left for us is is also i think an important thing to do and amazing feat to <laughs> accomplish so with that ashish uh, i want to take this a notch forward and uh, talk to you about something uh, that i i feel you kind of uh, have nailed and i'm trying to which is crafting your career right i see you've worked across domains uh, i started my career in finance and then i moved on to different roles and uh, i could feel uh, that there was a lot of uh, you know again from people around me that that's a bad move because you've already established yourself as a consultant and you're doing this then this and this but i knew at somewhere uh, you know deep down in my heart that this is not something that will uh, last for me right mm-hmm. and i see yeah. you you not only changed moved across industries you've also moved across domains and you've handled different roles at different points in your career so talk to me about being active uh, and vigilant about crafting your career and how is it very different from uh, you know from you know my mom and dad's time when uh, i would see consistency you know one job one company 45 years i mean i can never imagine being in that that mind space so what is that all about and how do you craft your career okay so we we already spoken about purpose something follows purpose once you have a purpose you you need to establish what is called a vision for yourself uh, it could be a career vision it could be a life vision it could be any form and so that's one of the things i did at the age of 33 i i drafted out a career vision for myself and that career vision essentially allows you to um, focus on a fixed destination point and it then allows you to work backwards multiple routes that you could take towards that destination yeah each of these routes is a you know has a road map so there are the routes have some commonalities and some differences right so the three things which you need uh, on that on those routes are knowledge track record and networks for example the day i said i am going to be a ceo uh, the week that followed i did a kind of inventory of my capabilities and i realized that there were many many things lacking i had very little understanding of finance i had very little understanding of human resource management i had very little understanding of many things my knowledge about legal issues and contractual issues was you know you could sort of write home about but uh but what it allowed me to see is it allowed me to spot the gaps and so i was able to one i was able to start learning about them hmm. but more importantly i could start i went and started uh what is the word involving myself you know previously what happens with most human beings if you don't know about something you stay away from it yes. right so i'm not good at finance so you know i'll wave from a distance at the finance manager and steer clear of him right mm. that is the usual thought process but now i realized yes. i needed to know finance i didn't know it so i went and threw myself at the finance manager and told him please tell me you know please teach me and every time there was a meeting in you know a finance meeting i would request permission to attend as a auditor i would sit at the back and just listen right and then i started you know finding uh, you know those days the internet was still 
uh, in its infancy, I started looking for and I, I finding um, annual reports from various companies and so on and so forth. Similarly, on human resources, uh, we uh, we had a in our company we had a very very basic employee manual, and one day I mentioned that uh, to my to my managing director, and he said, "Okay, so fix it." So I said, "Great," and I had no idea what human resources was about. But I went to four friends from four different companies. Spoke to they, they connected me to their HR managers, spoke to them, asked them to share their HR manuals with me, their practices, their policies, came back, read all that, and then worked together, putting together a human resource employee manual for our company and presented it to the managing director and the senior managers, and they all stood up and applauded. Hmm. Wow, that's so amazing. Yeah, so it's just, you know, so once I knew what I had to learn, I did everything I could to learn. And then how did it serve me is at a point in time when I was being considered for a chief operating officer, I knew finance, I knew HR, I knew operations, I knew marketing, I knew sales. I was a reasonably obvious candidate. Hmm. So you spent, the, you spent the time, you spend the time uh, out there uh, that required for you to build the right skill sets that would make you eligible for something like that. Absolutely. And that's, that journey, I think, is very important where you're preparing and you have one eye on the, onto the goal and you know what are the steps that I need to do take now. Absolutely. Right. There is, you know, in marketing, there is the four P's. Or nowadays, they call it the five P's. But for life, there is a five P rule. Okay. Proper what is that? Proper preparation prevents poor performance. Wow. <laughs> Proper so, preparation then, prevents poor performance. Yes. And so this whole thing about having a vision allows you the runway. It gives you, see, it gives you time. I had 12 years to be able to learn everything and prepare myself. It gives you time. You know, it also brings me uh, to the idea of, you know, what's being sold today. Um, in the world of uh, especially popular startup media, it's about quick success. It's about celebrating people who are in their 20s and have suddenly hit the lottery, you know, uh, uh, as against what I see from you. Uh, and also, which I think uh, people miss seeing in those reports, which is probably that that kid might be, you know, learning how to write code, which was true for Zuckerberg since he was a, a, a young kid, you know, as an eight year old, nine year old chap. His uh, parents hired a computer um, tutor who would teach him how to code. And then he kind of built those skills and it took over a span of 12 or 14 years. But people see some guy from Harvard, you know, just clicking it and uh, thinking, oh, you got to get overnight success. So yeah. why, why are people not able to see this? You know, that kind of back journey. Why are we so uh, short sighted when it comes to evaluating what it takes to succeed? Yeah, I don't know the answer to that. Have you read an author called Malcolm Gladwell? Oh, I've heard about him. I've never read him. Okay. He writes about the 10,000 hour rule. He says that, you know, it usually takes about 10,000 hours of uh, focusing on something uh, to become really good at it. And Bruce Lee, Bruce Lee, you know Bruce Lee, right? You're not too young. Yeah, to yeah, know. Yeah. 
no no nobody he also has said a similar thing he says i never fear the guy who is going to practice 10000 different kinds of kicks but i will fear the guy who practices the same kick 10000 times mm. so um, i do believe that there is uh, usefulness in uh, practice and in uh, you know experience but i don't say I, i also don't believe that that is the only thing you know i you know it's it's common for people of my age to believe that white hair lends you gravitas that is not true <laughs> you know okay. it is not it is not that youth youth cannot be as smart as capable as uh, amazing as age i mean so i don't think age is a factor at all because you know just like i could tell you rohit that i have 35 years experience it could also be that i have just had one years experience 35 times yes so true you know and making me essentially a 26 year old in terms of experience so it's it's um, so i don't think age is an issue at all i think what people should recognize is do what you enjoy mm. do it to the best of your ability and do it with a team ideally speaking do it with a team of people with, with whom you have fun mm. if you these three things you can do then your life is good do what you enjoy do it to the best you can and do it with a group of people whom you enjoy doing it with mm. whether it But, is you know whether it is an entrepreneurship yeah. whether it is at work whether it is you know taking a hike uh, on the mountain it doesn't matter i i think it also largely connects to the idea of being very generous with your approach to sharing your work because only then would you uh, would you be willing to step out of your comfort zone and do things that are tough to do uh, but a lot of people i see a very squeamish or selfish when it comes to uh sharing what they have so it what are your key learnings down, on, on it boils down it boils down rohit to lack of confidence to insecurity to a low sense of self worth all these you know all the symptoms that you are you're you're describing they tend to all stem from uh, you know these two or three core root issues you know if i don't if i don't like myself if i don't think highly of myself if i don't believe in myself then how am i going to go out of my comfort zone how am i going to take risk how am i going to try different things how am i going to uh, chart myself uh, you know a big hairy audacious goal mm. you know you know alan watts always says if you listen to any of his talks he says uh, for those who share it right more will come and yes. and also the idea and also the also the idea that uh, uh, you only share what you have right so these are two kind of ideas that i keep thinking about every now and then and when i see people being extremely selfish i think they're hurting themselves more than the person they're not sharing stuff with because that stifles them them from investing the emotional labor that they truly need to do uh, to craft themselves their mm-hmm. minds into being the person they Very aspire well, to be very well said very well said i agree 100% talk to me a little bit about what you're doing now um you know with uh, um with radical advice uh, what is it uh, that 
now after having spent like so many years in the in the industry what what motivated you to turn into a mentor into an advisor and help businesses help ceos help boards uh, achieve uh, achieve their purpose would that be the right right way to kind of conclude this yes i uh, yes in in some senses yes uh, but more than achieve their purpose to fulfill their potential see what mm-hmm. happens is a lot of people they work hard and stuff for like that but you know they never understand their what the size of their capacity is they never understand the uh, you know height of their potential and uh, it is very important to have a mentor who can show you these things and help you uh, achieve mm-hmm. that capacity and fulfill that potential so mm-hmm. that is now why did i do this basically for i've been mentoring uh, yeah, you know professionals for quite a while even when i was working mm-hmm. uh, full time Uh, but what i learned as i went along is that there are quite a few you know aspiring professionals who don't have access to a mentor and mm. similarly there are quite a few startups who don't have access to a high capability manager mm. because they can't at the at the stage of um, their their startup uh, life cycle they are unable to afford that kind of person so what i thought i should do is actually make myself available as a mentor and as a an advisor a mentor to professionals and an advisor to startups for just this purpose as a pro bono uh, allowing them the access to someone who could guide them why did i do this largely because i didn't have access to this when i was young right and i thought that if i when when i was in my 20s if i had somebody like this it would have made a lot of difference to my life uh, i struggled and made my mistakes on my own uh, till i reached 33 and after that once i had this mentor i my boss was a mentor my life changed tremendously and i was hoping that if i could be that agent of change for even a few people uh, mm. that would be fantastic I, that's an amazing thought you know and i've i've always kind of dealt with this uh, challenge on uh, not having a mentor and kind of still trying to figure out what to do so i just to use a small proxy and i call them my heroes so these are people that inspire me that i don't know anything about because i never met them but i know enough because they're uh, widely covered either they are authors or uh, they're businessmen or they're sportsmen you know they're people whose conduct and whose achievements inspire me and I, i kind of just you know always take a step back step back every now and then and think uh, what would this guy do if he was here doing this and uh, yeah you know may not be the, the best really answer but kind of at least at least helps me move the needle forward a little bit no no that is a very good approach it's the ekalavya approach you know who ekalavya is from mahabharat yes the young boy who was turned away by drona Yes. because he was not a kshatriya but even though he was turned away he went and learned archery asking himself what would drona teach me yes and that's an amazing approach and i, I hats off to you that's a it's a tough approach but a very good approach it's it's difficult because i know i am answering so how do i know if he is answering or am i <laughs> is it again another me 
a brilliant idea from another me or is it really coming from uh, the insight that i gathered from him yeah. so that that's a challenge that i always have to go through but i keep pushing myself because you can't uh, you know wait for a mentor to come into into your life because i yes. think that's how it happens you just kind of bump into somebody who inspires you uh, not just by their words but actually by what they do because that is what matters and then you resonate with them at some level and you decide to uh, learn stuff from them which is not easy to find i mean such people are a rarity because most people are selfish <laughs> more than i i can understand that but more than selfish i think even older people who could be mentors are a little unsure about themselves you know they're worried that oh what happens if i give this young person wrong advice and then if the person does not succeed the fear of failure it's not just being selfish but i would say i would say it it all boils down to you being extremely selfish because you're not you're being so selfish that you're afraid of failure you're being so selfish that you're not willing to put your self out there put your words out there for the test yeah. Yeah. and i think i don't think that's a great way a good way i feel very bad because i know so many so many wonderful people who can be fantastic mentors and who whose presence in many young lives will create amazing impact and change and it just doesn't happen and i feel terrible about that again you know people who are even in their 60s why what's what's wrong with the uh, you know what what is holding them back um that is why having got to spend 7 35 40 years so okay so my question to you is how do i continuously work that i build my confidence what was what 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 are those you know micro steps that i can take today uh, as a youngster that allows me to continually build that you know pot full of confidence that allows me to do things and keep experimenting and keep on failing and kind of learning from those failures and keep churning good ideas see that it comes back so there are different kinds of confidence right there is there is the uh, uh, superficial confidence which a lot of people tend to build around themselves like uh, you know actually it's a you know it hides your insecurities but it is a strong armor that you build around yourself but for true true confidence uh, i i have to go back to the original point know yourself understand who you are understand what you want know yourself once you know yourself there is you you there is you know all these words stop having meaning confidence self belief it all becomes part of you your your whole you know your your complete i don't know how to explain this you know when you once you do this you you actually feel complete you you know a lot of my friends at my age i'm 58 they talk about bucket lists right and i tell them i have i have no bucket list because i've been doing it i'm taking them off as i yeah figure them I've been out doing, i've been doing them i've been doing whatever i want all my life so what bucket list it's not as if i starved myself so that i can eat at the end of it yes so i don't have a bucket list if i die today i will be happy if i die 10 years later i will still be happy i mean you know i will die happy mm. you know so the the only other thing which i want to do now and you asked that question why am i doing this there is this beautiful book which i read some years ago but before that i had this i had this uh, somebody speak about this concept of dying empty mm. you know 
the idea is that you know as we grow older we collect a lot of knowledge and experience right and then when we die it dies with us all that wealth dies with us and i want to see if i can give it all away right before i die uh i'm uh, you know like like bill gates is doing with his money i would like to do with whatever i have collected and yes that's that's one of the reasons why i'm doing this also tell me something about uh, you know uh, one part of being a leader is uh, setting the vision which means you have to look into the future right the unknown is there a way i can consciously train my brain into be uh, you know having kind of uh, that uh, uh, vision into that unknown and in your own life how do you kind of help people do that uh, to dive deep dive into that unknown possibility and kind of come out with those insights that can help them uh, fulfill their purpose right okay rohit i would i would disagree with you a little bit it's not the unknown it is the little known it's not mm. the visions are rarely uh, treks into the amazon right mm. they're more about you know doing something different from what you are slightly different from what you're doing or doing something for slightly longer than what you're doing you know it's more extensions rather than complete diversifications so in that sense uh, how do you build a vision you basically invest in intelligence you invest in learning as much as you can about the market learning as much as you can about adjoining markets about the products or services your competitors the 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 uh, path that technology is taking um, you know other similar products and their life cycles and their experiences basically it's really a lot of hard work it's putting together a lot of data and then parsing the data and analyzing it and extracting as so much you, as you so data the permutations and combinations and peeping into the future yes so it's not so much a uh, uh, foresight as much as it is insight okay interesting <laughs> that's a new one <laughs> yeah you have to basically collect <laughs> all the data you can and extract insight from that so it's not about so much looking out in the future it is looking at what you have today and being able to extract and extrapolate hmm got it got it that's interesting uh you know i just want to move now into the as as we come to the closure of the podcast and wrap it up uh, a question around uh, the last 9 months you know this has completely changed the game for a lot of people uh, who i personally feel would have never got the time you know because that's what they would always say i don't have the time to reflect and i see a lot of them now getting the time to reflect and as they reflected they were not quite happy with what they were seeing <laughs> so this kind of changed a lot what do you what was what has been your key underpinnings uh, of of the changes that you've seen uh, around people uh, you know people around you uh, especially after the pandemic and what do you think will stay with us and what do you think is just a fad i think at least for the next year or two there is going to be a palpable palpable sense of fear mm. right fear about your life fear for life fear for livelihood both mm. because okay the stuff which has happened around us 
uh, was unpre absolutely unprecedented. It, it, you never even dreamt of uh, having whole swaths of your colleagues disappearing from office uh, overnight. Uh, you did not ever believe that people you knew quite well and who, who seemed quite healthy would you know die of a, uh, a disease. And mm -hmm. so that, that, that is going to happen. There's going to be a sense of vulnerability, a sense of fear, and that's going to last for some time. That is one. Mm -hmm. we, on, the, on the flip side, I've also seen, as you rightly said, many people re, you know, reviewing uh, and their lives and asking in this period, you know, are we, are we sort of living the right life? Uh, you know, this has brought home to us the ephemeral nature of life and the ephemeral nature of our time on earth. And should we be sitting around in, you know, sort of uh, fluorescent lit offices for nine hours a day, uh, you know, sort of looking into a computer? Uh, is that what we want? And I think at least I know of at least three or four people who have decided or are in the process of deciding different life paths for themselves. But the worst of all for me, I mean, this is a, there was a slight negative, slight positive, but there is a huge negative, which is that this disease has done something really unfair. It has hurt children. It has hurt the poor. It has hurt women. Mm -hmm. And it has hurt people mm. in autocracies. Mm. It has hurt all the vulnerable yes. and less of people, almost as if it was a parts of our society. Almost a, yeah. as if it was a weapon wielded by the rich and powerful. Mm. And that is really yeah. sad. That has happened for sure. And that is really sad. And you know, the sad part on any... what, what? Sorry, go ahead. Is there a silver lining to this? Is there a silver lining to it? The silver lining you is. I think we, we will come out uh, all together as a, as a society better better than before. Mm, I would like to say yes, Virat, but you know, the, you know, centuries and centuries and millennia of history have proven us wrong. The, but you know the yeah, fact people is, are hard to change. Yeah. Sorry. Awesome man. At least today, so, at least today, mm. the good thing is that the world is realizing this. The world is realizing that the virus has been extremely unfair. Right. Mm. And uh, I'm hoping that in future the economic and social structures that will be built will give some heed, will pay some heed to this and help build uh, safety nets, help build support systems for the, those who are living more fragile lives. Right? But having said that, Rohit, on the one hand, the other hand is, I don't know whether you know the statistics, U UK, United Kingdom, 63 million people mm. have booked 700 million doses of vaccine. Mm. Whereas India with 1.3 billion people have only been able to book 400 million doses of vaccine. So on the one hand, this rich country with 63 million people have 
almost 12 times the amount of vaccine they need and the poor countries are going to have one-tenth the vaccines they need. So is this going to change anything? Yeah. Is this awareness of the, is this experience with the virus going to change how humans behave? I'm very afraid that that may not happen. You know, I always see uh, uh, us, us as, as being at the cusp of uh, uh, intelligence, especially on this, this planet. Uh, that's how we that's why we call ourselves uh, homo sapiens the wise ones but unfortunately i don't know if it was the arrogance of our forefathers who, who decided that we should be called that um, uh, or it was uh, a deep insight into the true nature of who we are which is kind of figuring out that wiseness in you and then living by that code uh, good point sir. so good point with that, uh, you know, I want to wrap this up and just end by asking you, uh, you know, one person, uh, either from business or just from, uh, you know, the world, a- any field who's inspired you, who you look forward to, and one book recommendation for our author, for our uh, listeners, something that has really uh, given you a lot of things to think about. Okay, the person who has inspired me. Uh, would be Chanakya, Kautilya Chanakya. Favorite people too. <laughs> I thought, I thought, you know, when I read about him and I read more and more about him and then I read the Arthashastra, I thought that guy was amazing. You know, his ability to understand the environment around him, the ability to understand himself and the ability to manage uh, the situation around him was brilliant. In terms of the best book and which I have read and which I would recommend to everyone is there is a fantastic book called To Kill a Mockingbird mm. by a lady called Harper Lee. This was written, I think, in the 1930s or the 1940s. To Kill about, a Mockingbird. What is this about? It's about a, a lawyer uh, sort of... Uh, supporting and representing a young black man who's accused of rape in the southern part of the US where uh, there was no question but that man would be convicted and die. Hmm. But what this lawyer whose name was Atticus Finch said is that it doesn't matter how dire the outcome is going to be we still have to do our part. Hmm. Great. Thank you so much, Shesh, for uh, this interview. I think it was great insights from you and I'm pretty sure uh, uh, our creed would definitely tune in and enjoy some of the benefits of your experience. Thank you, Thank for you very much, Rohit. That was a great talk and really enjoyed this discussion with you. Have a wonderful sort of weekend and a great start to 2021. Thank you so much and uh, same to you have a great start to 2021 thank you bye